0: So those of you who are coming in, we are inviting you um, to join us in a little kind of opening activity to go into the chat. We know we're from a lot of different places. We've already established we have people here from coast to coast in Canada. So um, we ask that you go into the chat and put your... your geographic location uh where you are your city your town your state your country if you're outside of the u.s uh, but not to send it wait until we give everybody the signal to send it one time and so get a sense of the room and uh, there you go
1: Great. It's two after and we have, amazingly, we have almost 30 people in the room already. So for those who are just joining, we just offered if some folks want to write their city, state, country, if they're not in the US and any native lands, if they are aware of them, we're going to count down from three and ask everybody to hit enter all at the same time and we'll see where everybody is from. So is everybody ready? All right. Three, two, one, hit enter. Let's see where everybody's from. Look at that.
2: Hi, Elizabeth. Hi. This is Beth Blick from St. Paul. Hi, Beth. Welcome. Welcome. Karen, did you ever hear yet from uh, Russell Ballinger?
3: No, no. I'll check in with you offline on that. We've got a a special program tonight that uh will be starting shortly
2: okay well yeah he hasn't heard from you yet either so. <laughs> okay
0: okay so Di, let's give everybody one more chance to do it and then we can start you want to mention that so mm. for those of you who have not um who have just joined us we're starting, uh, we know we're from many different locations. And so we thought it would be kind of fun just to see where we're all from as a way of starting the program, getting a sense of the room and some sense of connection. So uh, if you would like to go to the chat, put your geographic location. And at this point, um, I think we can just uh, add add to our list. And uh, in a couple of minutes, in a couple, less than a minute, we'll start our program. Okay. Okay. I think I'm going to start. All right.
2: Yeah. Why oh, not? Yeah, why not?
0: Okay. Well, good afternoon and good evening to all of you. Welcome and thank you for joining us uh, for the special Women's History Month event, celebrating the one and only Congresswoman Barbara Lee. I am Sue Ellen Klein. I'm the convener of Partners for Peace. The other organizers with us tonight are Nancy Merritt, the lead of the Department of Peacebuilding. Nancy, did you raise your hand? <laughs> okay. Uh, Robin Dolgen is a co-convener of Partners for Peace, and Diane Tate is the managing director of the Peace Alliance. We here in Colorado would like to acknowledge that we are on the ancestral lands of the Ute, Arapaho, and Cheyenne peoples. So if you haven't yet done it, and you would like to acknowledge those whose lands you are on, You can either put it in the chat or just make your kind of silent acknowledgement. We've come together as peacemakers in the midst of a war. So I would like to take a minute to mention the crisis in Ukraine, which is truly, truly unimaginable. There really are no words. Our hearts are heavy for the people of Ukraine and also for those in Russia who are protesting at great risk to themselves, their government's evil and criminal actions. We are awed by all of their courage, their their resilience and their resolve. We look at the world and we say, this is not the world we want to live in. This is not the world we want for our children and for our grandchildren. President Biden has called this an inflection point in history. Opinion writers for the New York Times last Sunday wrote, the war in Ukraine has prompted the biggest rethinking of American foreign policy since September 11, 2001. In a joint letter written by the women of Russia and the women of the US in 2019, urging peace, they wrote, the world is in motion, the future is not written. Very simply, it is time to write the future with a new reality. It is time for peace. Peace as a human right, peace as a right of nature, peace as the choice we the world make instead of war violence and increasing militarism. This morning, President Zelensky made a speech to the US Congress, it was either this morning or last night, I think this morning.
2: This morning.
0: He sent a clear message that spoke to the role America claims for itself in the freedom. hey, that's
4: her. Just a moment. Look
0: at Thank you. <laughs> President Zelensky said at that meeting this morning, "To be the leader of the world is to be the leader of peace. So let it be, and so let us as peace builders continue to plant the seeds of peace for a new reality." So. Now, a word about our co sponsors. This event is being co sponsored by Partners for Peace of Fort Collins, Colorado, and the, um, the, the Peace Alliance Department of Peace Building Campaign. This evening's discussion coincides with the National Monthly Meeting of the Department of Peacebuilding Campaign. So many of you on this Zoom are members of that group. So we Thank you for being here and we thank you for the work that you're doing to promote peace. Partners for Peace is a citizens initiative affiliated with NCAF, the Northern Colorado Alliance for a Future. So education and advocacy, we challenge the role and consequences of militarism in US foreign policy and in US culture. We support actions and policies which elevate peace nonviolence and justice, both domestically and globally, and always through a lens of interconnection. The Peace Alliance. The Peace Alliance is a collaboration of organizers and advocates who take the work of peace building from the margins of society into the center of national discourse and policy priorities. And I have to say that that's probably the biggest challenge to do that, that the peace movement has. They provide an opportunity for folks to engage with their elected officials and other communities in the intentional act of peace building to amplify the importance of peace for everybody. Thanks for that good work. So this event, again, is co-sponsored by the Department of Peace Building Campaign, which is an initiative of the Peace Alliance, uh, which Nancy will talk about the campaign later in the program. Peace Alliance offers a really impressive program. Fuck, I want to see Barbara. Okay. Hi Barbara. (laughs) Oh Barbara. Barbara. Okay. I want to tell you a minute about the Peace uh, for a second about the Peace Alliance. It offers a very impressive program ranging from personal stories of hope and peace, consciousness-raising book club, empathy circles, to a bold legislative action agenda. So the link to the Peace Alliance is in on the chat to their website and check them out. For those of you who don't know, it's a great organization. The Barbara Lee film was provided through Women Make Movies. For more than 45 years, Women Make Movies has helped elevate diverse women and directors and producers and improved equity in the film industry. It is the largest distributor of of films by and for women in the world. Peace Women Make Movies supports hundreds of independent filmmakers each year with its highly successful production assistance program. Now a little background about why this particular film Representative Barbara Lee first came to my attention in 2001 when she boldly stood up in the House, in the Congress, to cast the only congressional vote against the authorization which allowed President George W. Bush to invade Afghanistan and again two years later to invade Iraq. The House vote was 420 to one. The Senate vote was 98 to zero. 500 votes and one black woman spoke up to said no to war, this in a Congress which at the time was 80% non-Hispanic white men. I was amazed by her courage and her tenacity and Barbara Lee became my hero. As a peacemaker I have followed her career since that time, um, especially noticing her persistence in supporting initiatives that promote peace like her sponsorship of House Bill 1111 to support the creation of the Department of Peace, repeatedly calling for a a reduction in military spending, insisting that the military's carbon dioxide emissions be publicly made available, demanding a Pentagon audit, which the Pentagon has failed in the last two years, And most recently, uh, introducing with Representative Pramila Jayapal a Resolution 866 in the House for a new foreign policy for the 21st century, one centered on human dignity, social justice and cooperation. Remember that. House Resolution 866. We have to get behind that. Currently, she serves as the chair of the Peace and Security Task Force of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. But her sponsorship it goes far beyond peacemaking, as that movie that you watch demonstrates. Representative Lee continues to lead on many issues of justice. For example, the Bill for the Truth, Healing and Transformation Commission for Racial Justice, Commission to Study Reparations for Native, for Black for, for African Americans. Women's rights, especially including reproductive rights. She herself had an abortion as a young woman, maybe she was 17. Uh, HIV, AIDS, AIDS to Sudan, and particularly support for people who are poor and marginalized. She is a big supporter of the Poor People's Campaign. Representative Lee is definitely a keeper as her Oakland, California constituents know because she's now in her 12th term of serving them. And personally, along with her many fans, I can say that Barbara Lee speaks for me. Last fall, I had the opportunity to watch this film offered by Barbara Bridges of the founder of Women Plus Film based in Denver. And they have a wonderful uh, film fest, that's coming up very beginning of April and the link to that is in the chat as is the link to a series of films, Women, War and Peace, series one and two, made by Abigail Disney um, of the Disney family and of Fork films. And they're really great films and they were appeared on PBS. They are still available I think on PBS. And uh, the link also to those films is so I loved the film, the Barbara Lee film. And I recognized that many people, I know that many people had never even heard of Representative Barbara Lee. So I thought it'd be really a great opportunity to be able to make it available during Women's History Month. And as it evolved, we reached out to the Peace Alliance because we knew the Peace Alliance was promoting the Department of Peace. And that was the, Bill that Barbara Lee introduced every session of Congress since 2005. And also because I am a fan of the Peace Alliance. So um, let's see, I don't have a view of all of you. So I was gonna ask you how many watched the
2: film, but I
0: don't see you all, maybe I will
2: now. I haven't heard of it.
0: (laughs) You hadn't heard of it prior? No, it wasn't uh, wasn't readily available in mainstream theaters, independent theaters. But um, so, how many of you have seen it? Okay, not everybody. It's a great film. I, I well, I, I think you can watch it on Amazon and one other streaming venue now if you haven't seen it yet. So uh, we're going to start our live uh, discussion later in the program, but before that we would like to show you a 38-minute interview pre-recorded just last week with Barbara Lee and filmmaker Abby Ginsburg, who uh, produced and directed the film through Ginsburg Productions, her company, and conducted by Nancy Merritt. And then following that interview, we will have a brief explanation of the Department of Peacebuilding campaign by Nancy, and then we had our questions and our Q&A. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for supporting peace, and I hope you enjoy the interview. Thanks. Um, I hope you'll send out the links
4: to those film festivals you mentioned.
0: They are in the chat.
5: In this conversation, which will be shared with the peace and justice community and with many people who are looking at the world through the lens of peace building. Um, my name is Nancy Merritt. I'm the national lead of the Peace Alliance Department of Peace Building campaign. And I also represent a number of peace and justice related organizations who are in the process of watching the film Barbara Lee Speaking Truth to Power. This includes Partners for Peace in Colorado um, who who actually initiated this whole event, so thank you to them.
6: And um,
5: just wanted to let everybody know I was privileged to see Speaking Truth to Power at the premiere at the Grand Lake Theater in Oakland last summer. Um, I'm also a proud owner of the Speaking Truth to Power mask and the Stay <laughs> Woke button so we thank um abby ginsburg who produced and directed abby shared with me that the naacp just awarded this film its 2022 image award for best documentary film so congratulations that's that's really awesome Um, and we thank you abby for your other films relating to uh to justice social justice and race and we thank you, Congresswoman Lee, for agreeing to become a documentary star. <laughs> I didn't, that.
7: I did not agree, but
5: that's another story. Yeah, I know that was a little bit mm. of a reluctant decision for you. <laughs> um, we also thank you for sponsoring legislation to create a Department of Peace Building and for your tireless work um, for peace and justice on so many levels. So it's, it's been an, an amazing lifetime of, uh, of this kind of work. So thank you. Um, Congresswoman Lee is a longtime representative from the most woke district in the country, congressional district in the country, which includes Oakland and Berkeley. And um, no bias here, just stating a fact. (laughs) Um, So we thank you, Congresswoman Lee, for speaking truth Mm -hmm. to power and for your strength, courage, and determination to make our world an inclusive, equitable, just, and peaceful place to score for the people, as Elihu Harris said in the film. So our first question is about peace and peace building. Um, So Congresswoman Lee, um, peace and peace building have broad implications, yet on one level are very basic. It feels like the work you've done throughout your life is about building conditions that foster peace. Would you talk a little bit about the interconnections between peace, justice, equality and planetary survival? Small question, I know.
7: Uh, thanks a million, Nancy. Thanks for this, really happy to be with you. But you know, there's, there's no uh, peace without justice. There's no justice without peace. And so we have to um, see, and what happened during the Vietnam movement, for example, uh, that was a movement uh, to end the war for peace, but it never really included the justice aspect of peace building and so uh if we're really going to have true peace we've got to have justice equity equality for all uh and that will lead to peace because people will understand that um you know we have to have peaceful coexistence and that's the only way you can do that is by making sure everybody has the opportunity to live uh, a peaceful life a just life and that all of the the fairness the laws the policies and the structures of in America, for example, this government is for them also, and otherwise you're not going to have peace. You're not going to have uh, people feeling a part of anything, uh, as we know already. And so, you know, we and our, our bill, the Department of Peace bill. I mean, we look at domestic violence. I mean, we have to see that as uh, part of why we uh, as part of why we have to end domestic violence because that's a, a, a terrible, terrible condition, and we have to uh, figure out ways to end that. Otherwise, we won't have peace with families, for example. And, and so the domestic issues around nonviolence and violence are connected also to the global efforts for peace and security. And, and so I guess you know, I would say that um, when you talk about living in America, for example, you've got to talk about justice and you've got to talk about equity and you've got to talk about how we make sure that everyone has the opportunity to live a life for liberty and justice for all. And then you have to know that in that process, that peace will emerge because then people will feel that they have ownership and that they're part of something. If you don't do that, people are always gonna be at each other. And that's why I established the bill hr 19 also calling for truth racial healing and transformation commission so that we can have some truth telling so that african americans for example can bring forth to the commission the um, issues around being enslaved our ancestors those those chains of slavery still haven't been broken when you look at systemic racism today it's directly connected to 402 years ago when the first enslaved africans were brought to america you look at jim crow you look at lynching, you look at the black codes, you look at all the way up to today, criminal justice. You look at the disparities in healthcare and housing and employment. How do you have peace? You know, if you don't have justice for everybody. So that's what truth telling is about. That's what racial healing is about. And that's what transformation has got to be about. And that's for me and for many is reparations. Yeah, it's
5: all interconnected for sure. Um, Thank you. In in 2001, you were the lone vote in Congress against authorizing the use of military force following 9-11. How does that factor into your work in Congress today, Um, especially as we watch the violence that's unfolding in Ukraine and that exists in other places such as Ethiopia and Sudan, Syria and Yemen?
7: Yeah, Nancy. And, you know, first, uh, as a member of Congress, I have to uphold the Constitution and... Right after the horrific events of 9-11, the authorization that came to Congress just gave then-President Bush, but any subsequent president, the authority to go to war, period, dot, dot. So as a member of Congress, it's my job to say, no, 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 we don't give any blank check to any president because that's unconstitutional. And that can lead to perpetual war, which is what it has done. So right now, trying to repeal that 21 years later. And, And so here we go up till 2022 and we look at places like yemen and all around the world where the united states has been involved in military operations even in Niger, when when our brave troops were killed uh they've used that authorization not coming to congress we didn't even know about it (laughs) and and there have been i think the congressional research service did a unclassified report for me that laid out a couple years ago it had been used maybe 40-some times in about 18 countries where we Congress had no no involvement at all. So Congress has been missing in actions, and we need to reassert our requirements, our constitutional re, constitution requirements to give the president, if he's going to need to go to war, then he's got to come to Congress, and we will authorize it or not. So that's why I voted against it. It was terrible. And I know three days after the terrible terrible tragedy of 9-11, you don't um, use force. You don't decide to go to war. Violence begins violence, right? In the United States, we always have the military options, always on the table, period, dot, dot. But you have to look at other ways to solve problems in this world through diplomacy, through, yes, some forms of sanctions that aren't gonna hurt people through a variety of of tools that we have in our toolbox, but you don't use the military option first. I don't care what the situation is, unless we're in imminent danger and the president has the authority if the country's in imminent danger. And so, fast forward to today with the terrible, tragic war that Putin has waged on on Ukraine. You know, we've got to do everything we can do to help deescalate and to help make sure we protect the Ukrainian people and, and stop Putin because this is not about just Ukraine. It's about reestablishing the Soviet Union and, and an autocracy uh, and a totalitarian state. And it has implications here in America. A lot of people don't think it does, but when you look at the misinformation, disinformation campaigns, voters' nullification, suppression, Russia's been active in America also. And so we cannot let this happen. And, and we have to determine how we de-escalate how we hold putin i mean these are crimes against humanity he's a war criminal and we have to do this but in no way and i'm glad that president uh, biden has said we're not going to send american troops uh and we wrote a letter just very recently 43 of us to the president reminded him and reiterated what he has said and i was really happy he said this publicly so is general awesome we're not going to get inserted into uh, a ground war or send troops into Ukraine because, of course, we know the consequences of a direct war with, with Russia are dire. And and so we have to be very careful right now that um, we don't um, allow this violence and this horrific war to get out of hand where it draws the United States into a larger, broader war. And that means we have to de-escalate. We have to find our every single way to make sure that we stop Putin and stop this carnage that's taking place, and and help people of Ukraine immediately.
5: Yeah, amazing. We keep having to go through this um, so much. Yeah. I um, uh, well, we have a million questions, but I'll uh, go on to the next one. Um, one of the things I took from the film was the importance of mentors and uh, you talked about your mom and shirley chisholm and ron delums among others and uh in the film shirley chisholm says the only thing i have going for me is my soul and my commitment to the american people it seems like these are key messages of your mentors and your own life so could you talk a little bit about your mentors and your mentoring of young people and how it is, how important it is for all of us to be mentors.
7: It's extremely important, and starting with my mother. uh, She was an unbelievably um, strong woman, very smart. She was one of the first 12 students to integrate with the NAACP support, the University of Texas at El Paso, then it was called UTEP. She was the first Black woman to work as a civilian at Fort Bliss. This is in Texas. She was the first in a lot, and she was so modest and and quiet, and she just broke those barriers, shattered those glass ceilings, and just said it was normal. It was, that's what she had to do if if she was going to be, if they were going to try to shut her out and other Black women. And so she told myself and my two sisters as we were growing up um, that can't was not in the dictionary. Whenever we said, oh, I can't do that, like. I wanted to be a cheerleader, for example, in shows in the film at San Fernando High School when we moved to California. But a selection committee was the way cheerleaders were selected and you had to be blonde and blue eyed. And that didn't look like me. I didn't look like that. So my mother said, don't say you can't figure it out. So I went to the NAACP and they said, we'll help you. We organized, we changed the rules of selection or at the San Fernando High School and forced them, made them, allow for girls to try out in front of the student body. Once that happened, I tried out in front of the student body, and guess what? I won. I was the first Black cheerleader at San Fernando High School, and I was 15 years old. But that's because my mother said, don't tell me you can't do that. (laughs) It's not in the dictionary, C-A-N-T, and I looked it up as a child, and it's really not. (laughs) So my mother, that's an example of my mother. Then you go to Shirley Chisholm, who, yes, uh, she was a woman, boy, first black woman, for those who don't know, elected to Congress, that was in about 1968. Now, the first session of Congress was held in 1789. Can you imagine between 1789 and 1968, no black women? Reminds me now of the Supreme Court, no black women. This country has lost the brilliance and the beauty and the perspective and the, the the, I would say, the, the skills and the understanding of, of justice and of equal justice under the law by not having a Black woman on the Supreme Court. The country is lost because of that. Shirley Chisholm, too. I mean, it was like, and, and I was working for then and I saw how she was on the Rules Committee, the only woman, the only African-American on the Agriculture Committee. They, didn't, they wanted to marginalize her, so they put her on ag. But guess what? She turned that around and helped lead the charge on so many um, issues around uh, SNAP benefits, food stamps, and all kind of ag issues that uh, poor people and low income people needed. So she was a woman who, and she mentored me and she told me very clearly, she said, you don't go along to get along. She said, these rules were not made for people like you and me. She said, there's just no way they were. And so if you get on the inside, whatever, politics, corporate, business, nonprofit, she said, just understand you have to get in there and and dismantle those rules because most of them are, are created for white guys. They're not created for you or me. So it was. So don't get on the inside and go along to get along. Go on the inside to try to deal with the systemic issues and and help change the system. And so I learned that very clearly and early on from Shirley Chisholm. And with our beloved Ron, I had the privilege to work with Ron for 11 years. I was an intern for him during the Watergate era, and to be with Ron dealt was like none other. I mean, this man way early on was so far ahead of his time. He was a visionary. He was a statesman, but he was a grassroots organizer. He was a former Marine. He was a psychiatric social worker by profession. He combined all of his life and his life experiences into being people, members still talk about him who are here today, about being one of the most respected members of Congress. And what I learned from Ron, he said, if, if you think you're right, and you make sure you are, then you just say that, stand there both that way and people will come to you sooner or later. You just stand on that corner and just stand by yourself. And sooner or later, they'll come right by you, to you. And so all three of these individuals, and there are more, but these three people really um, in a lot of ways gave me the encouragement and the uh, confidence to do what I'm doing today, because Lord knows this is a heavy duty, whoa, you just don't know what I have to deal with. I mean, and I'm gonna stop by just saying an example. I got, this was a couple of years ago, right before COVID. Okay, member Penn, I have my member of Congress pen on. I was in a committee hearing getting ready and running to vote where, you know, we only have a few minutes to vote and their member elevators, they put the light on members only when we're racing to vote. So I started to get in in the members' elevator and this white guy blocked me from getting in the elevator. I said, sir, I've got to run vote. He said, no, you don't get in this elevator. This is for members of Congress. I said, sir, I'm a member of Congress. Look, he said, well, whose pen is that you have? He blocked me from getting in, you don't even know, (laughs) in the (laughs) elevator. And I had to go vote. So I had to find another way to get to the floor to vote because this white guy stood there and blocked me. That was right before COVID, okay so i'm just sharing this with you so it doesn't matter if i'm a member of congress or not i'm a black woman in america and so this is what we have to deal with to make sure that others don't have to go through this but what we consistently go to as women and women of color and black people it continues right it just
5: continues it's
7: amazing but the struggle continues too yeah
5: yeah
7: for sure um So we're we're
5: here in this time in this place to be to manifest the beloved community. And so what are your thoughts about how you and we uh, navigate these times and work together to be the beloved community? And how can we ensure that peace and justice and equality rise to the top of our national priority list?
7: Well, Nancy, I just have to say, uh, for me, I'm laser focused on elections, we have to fight for to preserve what's left of this democracy. And so whatever issues we're concerned about and fighting for, we have to fight for voting rights and to protect the democracy. And so that means between now and November, I'm just saying, it's a call to arms. Register people to vote. And even with all these voter suppression laws, which hopefully will get part of the John Lewis Voting Advancement Act passed and or the Freedom to Vote Act passed, But minimally, we have to show up at the polls. We have to be poll watchers. We have to be observers like we do abroad you know, to make sure that these elections are fair and free. So right now, what I'm saying for everybody is get involved in politics. Organize, organize, organize. Whatever you're doing, if it's fundraising, grassroots organizing, hold these senators and members of Congress accountable. Let them know in their districts and know in certain terms you're going to not vote for them and make sure they're not elected if they don't do the right thing. And so please, you know, and this is like a a call to arms for me in terms of making sure that everybody is engaged politically because you you cannot have Donald Trump back or take his, his henchmen and women take back the House and the Senate. We have to increase the numbers in the House of Representatives and darn near increase the numbers in the Senate because this is not good with where we are in this country. So that's what I'd say, just do the political work between now and then we'll regroup after we win in November.
5: Yeah, definitely win in November for sure. Um, So we're featuring Speaking Truth to Power as part of our celebration of Women's History Month. And uh, in the film, uh, you quote Shirley Chisholm and add to it that if they don't give you a seat at the table, bring a folding chair Uh, we've brought our folding chairs and we're here to stay. And uh, Congresswoman Presley added to that, that it's about redefining the table and creating a new table and a new uh, paradigm shift. Um, It's held that women bring a unique style of peace building to the table. In your uh, own experience in Congress, do you believe that in general, women bring something different and uh, effective to to
7: leadership? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think women bring um, first their brilliance, but they bring their heart and their soul also. And of course there's some women like Marjorie Taylor Greene, I mean, or Boberg, I mean, you know, there's some women you don't want in Congress, right? Mm -hmm. But for the most part, the lens of a woman, uh, regardless of their political party adds a heck of a lot to uh, the debate and to our policy agenda. Uh, We have a bipartisan Women's Caucus and we also have a Democratic Women's Caucus and we try to find issues we can agree on, Uh, which right now, because of Donald Trump and and the cult-like following that he has by Republicans, it's very hard to find common ground. But sometimes we do. But the women in the Republican Caucus um, and Boebert and and Marjorie Taylor Greene, they're not the norm but the norm won't speak up and speak out against these, these two and there are a few others. So I think um, you know we have to understand that uh, we have to elect more women representation matters and we have to help women not only be elected to Congress but also at local levels and engage in um, all kinds of aspects of, of our society which they haven't heretofore. Uh, but now I see women just saying, um, like Ayanna said, um, you know, we're reshaping, we're remaking this table, which she's absolutely right. And that's what Shirley Chisholm meant by, when you get along, don't go along to get along, dismantle all that and build it up again with your perspective, your consciousness and your experiences. And so I think, um, you know, we, women need to rule the world right now and we have to make sure that um, we have women who have a soul you know, and who have a, a caring for peace and justice in positions where they can enact policies and programs that lead to that and, and be leaders, not only at the local level, but in the world. And there are some phenomenal women leaders right now in the world that I had the privilege to meet at the German, um, at the Munich Economic Summit a couple of weeks ago. And I'll just close by saying, you know, uh, Nancy Pelosi is our speaker. And um, she's made a big difference. And world leaders look to her for advice and direction. And legislation that I've authored never would have passed had a woman not been speaker. And I'm going to give you one example. There have never been any women on our currency, right? No, no women, period, dot, dot. So now it's eight years ago. I introduced legislation along with our treasurer. Then it was Rosie Rios from the East Bay and we said look we've got to have women on our currency and so she and i conspired we worked together introduced legislation i had to introduce probably four or five versions of it but I had, and i had to get bipartisan support bicameral support but i got republican women to support this to create a program at the mint the coin program where now we have five women every year who will be on our quarters And so we rolled out the first one, Dr. Maya Angelou, in February. February, Black History Month. Okay, there's. there's Trying to show it. Get your quarters. Get your quarters. Look how gorgeous that is. Very nice. (laughs) And that never would have gotten through the House of Representatives had it not been for the Speaker being a woman, knowing the importance of having. These phenomenal women. Sally Wright's going to be first woman in the space. Is on now. According for March, we're releasing some more, well, four more. Uh, the head, former head of the Cherokee Nation. She's going to be on one. Former superintendent of, of public schools, first in New Mexico. She'll be on one. And um, Ms. Wong, first actress in Hollywood. She'll be on one. Okay, so these are five phenomenal women. It's not just symbolism, but symbolism is great because you'll have money kids will see these women, but they'll wanna know more about them. So it's about their stories and what they did and how they you know, lifted, <laughs> how they fought these challenges and how they made things better for those who came behind. So I'm really pleased about that. And that's just an example of having a woman. I never could have gotten this done if it were um, Newt Gingrich or any of these other guys that were speaker. I mean, that never would have passed. Okay, so that's just an example of why women are Extremely important in these positions. Oh,
5: that's that's amazing. So I think Wilma
7: Mankiller is the the. Child. Wilma Mankiller. Yeah. yeah. Yes. yes. Get your coins and insist that your banks and financial institutions have these women on the coins. They just have to get them from the men And okay. you know they may not think you know about them, but you go into your banks or credit union and tell me get some.
5: Um, I thank you for that. I, I wanted to ask both of you. There must have been times over the years where you thought things were that sort of raised despair or bewilderment or whatever in you. Uh, I can think of a million examples of after nine eleven or so much blocked legislation or the voting rights uh, disintegration and so many other things. What gives you hope or what keeps you going what advice can you give and, and i'd like to hear from both of you happy too Okay, hey, i'm going to
3: quickly start by saying that one of the things that kept me going throughout all of trump that horrible four years was that i was telling barbara's story and so i mean seriously i did not understand how it was affecting my mental health until we were finally through it But I really believe that because I would get up every day and try to figure out what, you know, what I was gonna do next about this film. And because, you know, I felt like Barbara was on the right side of history and what she stood for were the values that I believe in, et cetera, that it really enabled me, you know, not to sort of just wallow in despair and hopelessness. Um, Barbara is, besides all that, she's quite optimistic. And, you know, you have to be in order to do the work she does every day. But because my job was to be essentially following what she was doing, it actually affected my mental health in a positive way. I just really want to say that, that I just I was looking around me at all my friends who were miserable and then COVID happened. and you know, it, But I felt like I had a purpose in life, which was to tell Barbara's story and to convince her to be more cooperative. So given that that was what I had to do for those years, it really made a difference. So Barbara will tell you her own reasons for not sinking into despair. But for me, it was because I was telling the Barbara Lee story that I was able to, you know, sort of stay even with myself Mm -hmm. um, and not feel like things were too bleak. Because I was like, look, there are people like Barbara doing this work every day. You know, she's on the front lines. I'm just trying to capture a little bit of it. I have no basis for being depressed. So that literally kept me going.
5: Thank you. Well, no, oh, I was just going to yeah. say, Congresswoman Lee, I know you don't drink wine, even though you're from California. So, what does keep you going?
7: <laughs> well, I say my prayers. You know, I was am a woman of faith. I was raised in the Catholic Church as a Catholic. Uh, I don't, I'm not a practicing Catholic, but I'm a member of a really progressive Baptist church with a phenomenal woman, Reverend. Uh, Jacqueline Thompson, Allen Temple Baptist Church. So my faith and my church, my family and my friends, they, they keep me going. But also, you know, things are really hard for people. And I really recognize that. And I, I try to remind people of where we've been, especially as Black people and Black women. And and to remind them that, and I'll give you a couple of quick stories that, that I share so people understand that you have to keep hope alive. When my mother was uh, about to deliver me, she needed a C-section, she went to the hospital. They wouldn't admit her because she was black, okay, in El Paso, Texas. Long story about how she got in, but she almost died in childbirth. I almost didn't get here. They had to pull me out using forces, okay? I'm here, but it was a struggle for her and I learned you know, she told me the story as a child, so I have no, no option but to be optimistic because I'm living, right? Uh, and couldn't have, and almost didn't get here. And then the second thing is, another story, I, okay, San Leandro, California, known for historical racism and redlining and all kinds of bad things happen to black people in San Leandro. My mother and my dad, 25 year army officer and was fought in World War II and in Korea. Proud Army Army officer. And he wanted, he and my mother wanted to buy a house in San Leandro, California. And they tried, but they couldn't because they were Black. So he said he was going to put on his uniform, and he was sure the realtors would show them a house if he showed he was a member of the armed forces. They ran his butt out of San Leandro, Okay. And my mother, too. I mean, it was a terrible experience. That's the only place they wanted to live. Well, guess what? I represent San Leandro there. Okay? So, I mean, <laughs> this is a marathon. <laughs> it's a long haul. The arc of justice is long, but it, the arc of un, the universe is, uh, is long, and but it's just so But you have to really fight hard, boy. You cannot give up. This, shit. this stuff is bad to break through. I mean, the way that, I mean, 250 years of slavery, you know, so you got to remember genocide of the native people. We've got an internment of Japanese Americans, the Chinese railroad. Look at, I mean, you look at everything in America and just know that so much has been so bad, but look at how far we've come, but just look at how far we have to go. And so I try to, help people understand that they've got a road they've got to run their leg of this race and and do it and that's what ron dellum's always said look you know you may not see it <laughs> you may not see you the it. right now but it, it darn sure is going to be better for those who come behind you so you can't just see this as um you know a sprint you gotta really go at it and that i i think keeps me going knowing that whatever I'm doing now is for the kids, for the future, for the climate, for the planet, which is about to burn, we have a climate emergency. So, you you know, so you, we can't, and I really recognize how people are feeling behind COVID, behind Trump, behind uh, inflation, behind the cost of living. I mean, so no, I feel this pain and it's hard. It's really hard, but also I want people to really feel that they can make a difference even when times are hard and it's 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 hard but just look at those people who historically in this country have faced so many obstacles and so many challenges and just kind of drawn their strength
5: yeah we just have to keep going for sure that's right um abby i i was wondering also you've made if you could mention you've Made a lot of other films uh, and maybe mention how that ties into your hopefulness, the the kinds of films you've made, and are you working on another one?
3: Yeah, I am. Um, I I would say that, you know, because I make films about people who inspire me, top of my list right now is Barbara Lee, but I've made films about other people who've inspired me. You know, I feel like I'm telling stories, not really for myself, but for the, it's sort of like what, what Barbara was saying, for the next generation. You know i want it's like as barbara said you know her birth story and she's here as a congresswoman for the last 22 24 years it's like you know this next generation who may have had a little bit less to overcome has to think about what they want to give you know give back in terms of public service etc um and so you know whether it is my story about the resilience of people who were in the camps i told a story about the japanese americans um who were in, in you know incarceration camps, and you know there's there's positive spirit that comes out of that because of you know what they faced during those terrible years, and then trying to rebuild the life and being able to move forward, etc. So, so I'm always looking for stories of both inspiration, but with an eye towards talking to the younger generation, you know, and saying, look, if Felton Henderson, who was one of the first African American judges in you know the federal district court in the Bay Area, you know, his mother was a domestic worker, you know, who cleaned people's houses. And she just kept saying to Felton, you're going to be somebody. And he became somebody, you know? Um, so it's, I, I'm, I'm and, you know, and and Cruz Reynoso, who was a son of, a, you know, one of 12 children in a farm worker family. I'm like, look at some of the people that we, we may know their names, but we don't know their backstory. So I'm always trying to encourage young people to think about if you know, if, The people that I'm telling stories about could somehow figure it out and do it through education and do it through hard work and commitment. You can too, you know, is kind of the meta message that I'm giving. And I would say that throughout, you know, the time that I've been making films, um, because I've been tracking people whose lives really inspire me and whose commitment to making the world a better place for all of us, you know, is a role model. And my job is to try to tell their stories as best I can.
7: Nancy, um, I'm going to have to sign off, but I just want to uh, sa- salute uh, Abby because she uh, probably aged at least 55, 60 years in making this film uh, because I was an unwilling subject, and she was persistent. She showed up where I had no idea she was going to show up. Uh, it was unscripted. I, I had no makeup on. I mean, when, when you look at what she did and how she did it, Um, You've got to give her a lot of credit.
3: (laughs) But I think, let me say this, I think I I had a vision of how this film was going to work out and I just had to stay with it. Whether Barbara was cooperating or not, you know, I felt like, leave me alone and let me do this and I will somehow convince her after it's all done that she is as inspirational as I see her as and that this film will be an important platform for her to be speaking to audiences like yours. I mean, that was part of why I wanted to do it, is I wanted more audiences to be engaged with her. And yeah. see, I had no idea
7: why she wanted to do it. Like I said, I don't think I ever agreed to it. But anyway, I think they got you. it done.
5: One super quick question. OK. Have you perfected your sweet potato
7: fries? And what did I say? Maybe next year I'll have, I haven't even tried them since that <laughs> was made. I'm kidding. <laughs> I didn't figure you had much time to do that. Yeah, sure <laughs> it was good. I know now how to cook them, how to fry them, but I haven't done that. I, I haven't even bought a sweet potato since that film was done. <laughs> so the answer is no. Well, I hope, <laughs> I hope
5: you get time to do that. And I, I really want to thank both of you, um, Abby, for making such a beautiful and powerful film. Uh, because of that, we know Barbara Lee better and her legacy. And uh, I want to thank you, Congresswoman Lee, uh, as the barbershop customer said in the film. Thank you for every mile you walk, and we thank you for speaking for us and with us. So keep on speaking truth to power. Thank you, Nancy.
2: I'm yeah, keep on. on our power.
7: movement for peace building, our legislation, and everything that you all have done. Yes, gotta keep going until justice is done and peace. Peace is possible and is patriotic. So thank you guys again.
5: You're an inspiration to me. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. Bye. Bye bye.
2: Hello. Is anyone online? Yes, Beth. We're all still here. Yeah, I, I'm i just having a hard time with, I keep being m- m- mute, muted, and I don't know what's causing that.
3: I've been doing that, Beth, so that every, where everybody was being muted while we listened to the video. I know you don't hear. Oh,
2: have okay. I'm usual, sorry. We
3: were listening to the video, so we wanted to keep everybody quiet so that everybody could hear
2: it clearly. Sorry oh, for the Oh, okay. Yeah. I apologize.
3: Oh, no need to, but you, you take, accepted. So who is taking okay. it from
2: here? <laughs> okay.
3: So Ellen, you're mute.
2: wondering what to do.
5: Sue Ellen, you're muted.
0: Okay. okay. And Nancy, you are going to share with us a brief explanation of the Department of Peacebuilding campaign, right? Yes, okay.
5: sure. thank, thank you, thank you for being on the call. We have a lot of people and it's exciting. Um, I just wanted to let you know about that interview. Barbara Lee is a really busy person and we had to reschedule that interview five times before we were finally able to to do it. (laughs) So when it finally happened, it was kind of of a minor miracle, I thought. Um, Thank you. Yeah, so many of us have been working for a cabinet level Department of Peace building for a long time. This is a bill in Congress. It's HR 1111, sponsored by Congresswoman Lee. Um, a few days ago, Dee, would you put up the one of those pictures I wanted to show you? A, f- a few days ago, I went to an event in San Francisco where um, artists recreated this painting, if we can get it on there.
4: Um, it's called A Dove Has Spread Her Wings and Asks for Peace.
5: Where is the dog? Oh, okay. Um, This is a painting by a Ukrainian artist named Maria Primachenko. On February 25th, this and other paintings by Maria were destroyed in the Putin war in Ukraine. On March 6, artists recreated the painting in San Francisco. So maybe you could show that second picture. Um, recreated this painting in San Francisco. Since then, the world has been watching the carnage of this war. Um, I guess we could take it down or leave it up. <laughs> international and domestic events have left some of us wondering what the world would look like if there were a Department of Peacebuilding in the U.S. government and similar departments or ministries in nations throughout the world. What if we became the beloved community that is embedded in the Department of Peacebuilding legislation? The bottom line mission of a Department of Peacebuilding is to prevent violence. We know war and violence are not good for children and other living beings. The Dalai Lama said, war is outdated, nonviolence is the way. It's time for a Department of Peace building. The idea of an office or Department of Peace has been discussed throughout the history of this nation. Many uh, Peace Department bills have been introduced in Congress, especially around times of war World War I, World War II, the war in Vietnam. A Department of Peacebuilding also addresses other types of violence. It is about the interconnection between peace, justice, inequality, equality, and planetary survival. What if we had had a Department of Peacebuilding before this time? Maybe past wars would not have happened. Maybe there would be no invasion of Ukraine today. Maybe there would be no other current wars. Maybe 26 six-year-old children and their teachers at Sandy Hook Elementary School would be alive today. Maybe George Floyd would be alive. Maybe there would be no epidemics of domestic and gun violence. Maybe hate, racism, and bullying would be a thing of the past. Maybe we would not be in the midst of climate chaos. The Department of Peacebuilding legislation uh, addresses all of these issues. It calls for Secretary of Peacebuilding to sit at the cabinet level of our government to ensure that nonviolence and peacebuilding are part of every national decision. The Department of Peacebuilding will research, replicate, and expand programs to create conditions that nurture and sustain peace, to peacefully resolve conflicts and to end violence. It provides grants, grant monies for best practice programs. It focuses on teaching ourselves, our children, and our communities nonviolent conflict resolution, mindfulness, listening, dialogue, inclusiveness, equality, restorative practices, and racial healing. Because peace is an all systems issue, the bill calls for seven offices within the department including peace education, domestic peace building, international peace building, an office of technology for peace, um, arms control and disarmament, an office for peace building information and research, and an office of human rights and economic rights. We know the world is filled with people who who practice human kindness and bring compassion to the forefront every day. Still there are wars, still there's violence. It's time to step up our efforts and pass legislation to create a Department of Peace building. After all, who do we want to be? What do we want our world to look like? You may have seen the video of two Ukrainian refugee children starting their first day of school in Italy. They were welcomed with balloons and banners and applause. That's what I want my world to look like, a beloved community where we treat our own children, all children, all beings, including refugees fleeing from violence in Latin America and Haiti and Africa with kindness, compassion, and applause. I know I'm likely preaching to the choir here, but the choir has to keep on singing. Eleanor Roosevelt said it isn't enough to talk about peace. One must believe in it and it isn't enough to believe in it. One must work at it. We can paint Ukraine, Ukrainian murals in San Francisco. We can send monetary and spiritual aid, and we can work for a Department of Peace Building. We also can take the actions that we're posting in the chat. Uh, those actions including, include asking your member of Congress to be a co-sponsor of HR 1111. Signing a petition for Department of Peacebuilding. Adding your organization to Department of Peacebuilding endorsers. Signing the blueprint for peace. Um, signing, um, asking your member of Congress to support a bill that uh, Sue Ellen mentioned earlier, the foreign policy for the 21st century. And we had one action um, we were going to put in Um, But thankfully, it was passed into law, signed into law yesterday, and we can now celebrate the reauthorization of the Violence Against Women Act, which was reauthorized yesterday. So we can keep on keeping on. And I really thank you all for being here and for being peace builders. And um, with that, I'll turn it over to you, Robin.
8: Great, thanks, Nancy. Um, just to follow up on your um, comments, uh, what would we envision the world to be like if there was peace, uh, or, or peace, um, peace building, Department of peace building, and what as a, a horticulturist and a, a gardener, a long time gardener, uh, one of my visions would be to have a peace garden in every community, and that would be the kind of thing that this um, uh, bill or enactment would actually support. So um, anyway, there's a lot of positive potential for that sort of thing. Okay, well, we are eager to get your feedback on several engaging questions that we have for you. So if you'd like to... um, respond, then you have a couple options. You can either type your questions and or comments into the chat if you prefer that method of participation. And then otherwise, if you'd like to make a verbal comment, it's best to click on uh, the bottom of your Zoom screen. There is a reactions uh, icon. And then within that, there's a um, the, the raise hand symbol. And if you prefer a different route, your other alternative would be to raise your actual physical hand and we'll uh, call on you. So we have just about uh, less than 25 minutes to address some of these questions. And first off, we'd love to hear you know any general questions or comments that you might have about the film or even the, um, the interview. We are curious and Sue Ellen kind of addressed this or, or asked this question earlier at um, how familiar were you with Barbara Lee's life before watching the movie? Or, or And or the interview. Um, I'm from Colorado and I was only vaguely familiar with her work and her life, her life and her life's work, uh, seeing a presentation on December of let's see, 2019 on House Resolution 1111, the Department of Peacebuilding Act of uh, 2021, as it is at this point. So, um, and then, yeah, if there was anything that really surprised you or spoke to you um, the most about her life, as revealed in the film, um, feel free to, again, give us some feedback on that. Um, so, again, either through the chat or raising your hand physically or through the, um, the reactions button. Okay. Okay. Any brave souls want to (laughs) uh, come forth with that?
5: Okay, Nancy. (laughs) I I see Laurie actually. Why don't we take Laurie Rousseau?
4: I I watched the, hi everybody, and Nancy, great job. Thank you. Um, I watched the film prior to this call and oh my goodness. It's, I hope everybody sees it. It was fabulous. It was just, But one of there was many things, but one thing I'm thinking that stuck out was when she talked about legislation. She said you have to go for bold legislation. No, not legislation that just goes around the edges, you know. And I just, I don't know, that just gives it, you know. The Department of Peace certainly is bold legislation, but I just thought that was really good advice. Um, And just to to when we're looking at different bills and. you know whether or not we want to advocate for them to just kind of go for those that go go for it all you know so i thank thought that you. was really important
8: yeah thank you Lori. I, I think we do need to go big we need to have a big and bold vision and um you know put out our intention into you know into the world and you know worst case scenario is maybe it will be um pared down a little bit but um I think if people can know the vision, it's, easy, it's easier for them to figure out how to get there. Mm-hmm. Great. So let's see. Oh, okay. So I see, or let's see, I'm looking for um, Sue Ellen. Um, you have your hand raised.
0: Oh, Sue I- Ellen, uh, unmute yourself. One thing that she said in the film that that touched me and um, that is that when she was little or at some point she said, um, I was born with an, I was born as Barbara and uh, I'm still Barbara and what that means is that I have to be true to myself I have to be who I am I have to be Barbara. And um, I think that struck me because it's often hard to be true to yourself. I mean, to put yourself out there and to, you know, um, and and to have that sense of honesty and integrity. And um, I don't know, it just, it really impressed me about who who she is and how she's been so successful um, in her work and effective in her work because she was willing to put herself out there. And I think often times as peace builders, we come across a lot of, oh, naivete, accusations of being naive or not really understanding the situation. Um, so I, I, I think it's hard often for peace builders to be able to put yourself out there and um, anyway. I just, yeah. I wanted to mention that because I, that's, that was something that kind of struck me. I don't know if others of you have felt that same way.
8: I, I think this is a time for us
0: all to um, uh,
8: command our courage, so to speak, and to also do some do a lot of self exploration to understand um, kind of your purpose here on the planet. And um, it, it is a uh, um, kind of, a call to arms for all of us and uh and call, as along with the call to peace so yes thank you okay let's see uh diane d
1: hi yes um first of all I just want to say thank you to everyone for being on the call tonight and um that was a wonderful interview i wanted to bring into the discussion and just acknowledge for those of you who may not be able to see the chat we had uh, someone in the meeting this evening who um, experienced uh, an ouch, as we might call it, um, uh-huh. in, um, in hearing um, Barbara Lee say more than once that she didn't want to be filmed, that she didn't want to participate in this documentary. And so I just wanted to call that into this room because I think it's important um the person that registered the ouch um jay if you'd like to speak on this of course you're you know i don't want to i don't want to speak for you but i just wanted to call it into the room for those who may not be able to see the chat that um that's great was it it, that it was interesting that she expressed more than once that she didn't really want to be filmed and yet was filmed anyway and um of course we don't know the answer to that because we don't have her to ask in this moment but I just wanna bring that into the space.
9: Thank you. Great, thank you. I'm happy to be accountable to um, to the ouch and to the, the conversation. And um, I just, I thought it was ironic to also hear Congresswoman Lee communicate the um, experiences that she continues to have as a black woman. And if we're talking about creating peace, it's really about expanding who is at the tables so that we can um, identify in our shared high humanity with one another. Um, because in those instances and cases, we get the opportunity to really um, recognize what the impact is on one another. And just, I, I mean, seeing her actual discomfort and saying, I never agreed to this, like, and, but still having to um, be gracious about it and speak into it. Um, how much personal peace was she holding? Cause she even made a little comment, like I didn't even have my makeup on and how many of us have been in a place where somebody captures something about us that isn't a presentation that we don't wanna be presented as. And so I definitely had a, a strong sensitivity to that, which brought up a curiosity about um, how we sit in the privilege that we have and just checking in mm-hmm. with the impact of our presence on other people. And we get to explore those things when we do have an expanded um, table setting. And so just, just that was just something I observed and, and was impactful to me.
8: Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, I think our self-consciousness needs to go out the window. <laughs> there are more pressing issues here and- um, and. um someone had mentioned that we yeah we need to shine for who we are and um and and not shrink from that Art, you know and all so great thank you um uh it's kathy sarah, sarah had, oh sorry okay yes i'm
4: glad to hear that someone voted against those wars that resulted from 9-11 i was teaching at that time and I got to be very popular because I've been a pacifist for a long time. Oh, by the way, I live in Georgia. And <laughs> right okay. now it's 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 great to be a Georgian if you're gonna be voting for a black lady governor, but it's embarrassing to be from Georgia when you some of the people who represent Georgia right now. Uh, It has been hard to be a Georgian and be a peacemaker. And I really hope we get a Department of Peace because we need to look at that, that war is old school. We've got to find some way to save the planet and humanity and only peaceful means will work.
8: Great, okay, thank you for that comment.
5: being an active Georgian,
2: yeah, we need more of them.
8: That's for sure. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, Nancy, did you have another comment? And actually, we. I do, um, but why don't we let Kathy go first? I've had okay.
5: more than my share of time.
6: <laughs> Great. Okay. Yeah. So I just want to say that I agree. I would like to expand the table too. And because we uh, learn more when there are more diverse points of view at the table, more different cultures at the table, and uh, I just learned something I did I, that completely went over my head until Jay pointed that out. So, um, and part of being the peace we want to see in the world is giving um, attention to what's been brought up, right? not just glossing over it, not letting it pass. So I think, you know, before we can end war, part, you know, on that journey is being the piece we wanna see. And part of being the piece we wanna see is expanding that table. So thank you, Jay, for bringing this into the conversation. And that's all.
5: Could I, I say, um... One of the, I've seen the film a few times, (laughs) and um, one part that always brings tears to my eyes is when Barbara Lee drives past that huge homeless community in Oakland. I've I've seen it myself. I try not to drive that way because it's so sad, and I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of others of you have Homeless, a huge homeless problem in your communities, but um, the Bay Area is such a beautiful place. But it's got this, it's got it's
4: got this, and it's really hard.
8: We might go ahead and uh, go to our next question. Um, And so the Association for Women Film Journalists has said the following about uh, the film, inspiring. It energizes you to not just look for the helpers, but to become one yourself. So we're curious, how did the film change your personal beliefs or views of what you might want to do now to move forward in your peace and justice work or other projects that you are passionate about? Sue Ellen? Oh, did I have my hand up? <laughs> no, sorry, you came onto my screen. <laughs> oh, sorry. Well,
0: um, well, um, I Well, I think it's hard to continue the work, as I kind of mentioned. Um, and, and I just think that she, I, I'm so inspired by her optimism and her sense of her moral outrage without, she has these expectations, but she continues, you know, I mean, and she's just that notion of, it, it, it's, it's a marathon, it's not, it's not a sprint, you know, I think we have to doing this kind of work, you know, it, I, 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 and because I notice again and again, when I, when I talked about the definition in the beginning of the work, the mission of the Peace Alliance, I mean, the work of peace, even for progressive organizations that seek justice around one issue or not, the work of peace is often at the margins of that. It's not uh, on their uh, agenda or that's not a part of their, their missions or their goals or objectives even. And I often, and the people working for healthcare reform, for example. I mean, but you have to talk about military spending. You have, to, you have to notice, and then military spending might be driven by the military industrial complex and the corporate arms dealers. And so it, it is all related, but um, it's hard to make those connections. So, um, and I think that uh, bringing, bringing the work of peace into the mainstream, um, it, it is an important part of the work that we have to do. I will say, I'm getting on a different topic. I will say that two things that I loved about this film were um, the wedding scene at the end. I just, I just loved that. And, and, and I heard a different interview with Nancy and Barbara, where Barbara was invited as a guest and this gets back to Jay's statement. Um, Barbara Barbara was invited as a guest, but she brought her camera, and and there wasn't any intention in the beginning of including the wedding scene in the film, but um, but it became the ending of the film. I particularly loved it. I just thought it was charming, and it so spoke to her sense of joy and optimism. And his also is just wonderful. So I like that. I don't know how other people thought about it. And I'm hard pressed to think of a film about a, um, a, a a man that might end that way, but maybe not. Maybe, maybe it's just only the men who have been in my life <laughs> that make you think that. Um, the other story I wanted to tell about Barbara, which wasn't particularly in the film, but but it charmed me because um, sh- when Shirley Chisholm passed away or sh- she inherited in some way Shirley's pearls, her pearl necklace that sh- Shirley always wore. So at her own swearing in at, at, or at one of her um, swearing ins, she, she was wearing Shirley's pearls and she did mention that. So I think that it was just a charming aspect of her personality and her maybe traditional female stuff, which which impacts me because um, of my age, maybe, <laughs> and my own appreciation of pearls. So I just wanted to share those two things about the film.
2: This is Beth like- <laughs> This bet. is Beth.
5: Do you have a question, Beth?
2: Uh, yeah, uh, and you know, and I feel like I got to know her a little better, you know, like the part where she was talking about, uh, you, you know, cheerleading and saying that, that she couldn't and her mother saying, I don't want to hear you can't and and going, you know, I feel like I had something in common with her because it was always something I wanted to do, except that, you know, physically, I wasn't you you know I was always discouraged from it but physically I wasn't able to do you know what a cousin of mine was able to do for being a cheerleader but you know I had I had been discouraged a lot from that you know because I uh because of, of my being in the special ed classes that I happened to be in and and it was a, a bunch of bullshit that took place in my life at at at, at the time, and uh, and I feel like I've got to know um, Barbara Lee a lot better as far as uh, her personal life.
8: Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, and um... and
2: and uh, and you know, and I'm just wondering you know if if she has other people working with her on the uh, bill it's on nine what is it 9 11 11 have i got that right hr
5: 1111
2: hr 1111 how many people are working with her on that currently
5: right right now it has 27 co-sponsors and we're working to get more
2: so how far has it
9: come?
5: Um, I mean, it var- that's where we're at now. In each Congress, it varies. We've had up to 76. We've had 53. We've had all kinds of different numbers. So um, each, each Congress, we have to start over. And um, that's, this is where we're at right now with this Congress.
2: So it's making some... Progress that we're not there, like Harper was saying, it, it's not a sprint but a marathon,
5: right? And you should call Betty McCollum, your your congressman. No, I
2: am gonna call her to <laughs> see, uh, y- so you it. know, where she's at on it. Yeah, I'm gonna call her office tomorrow.
5: Thank you, Beth.
0: One point, one point to say about that, we do now with the space department or whatever it's called, we do now have five departments devoted to war and defense. Um, it's time to have a department. Say that again. We have five departments of the, military, of the military and now Now the Department of Peace or agencies for war. We should have a Department of Peace. It's time.
2: Peace, exactly. Yeah, there's no reason not to. Yeah,
0: but
8: persistence. Persistence seems to be the uh, our key word here anymore these
2: days. The key to it, yeah, persistence. Mm-hmm. Like Elizabeth yes. Warren would say. Yes.
8: Yeah. Okay. Well, we've got just about five minutes left now, and um, Nancy. How much time would you like, or should we... um... Why don't
5: we take Sue and then I will do the closing. Okay,
8: very good. And uh, just uh, thank you everyone for contributing to this part of the program um, with such lively and thoughtful comments and questions. Okay, Sue. Uh,
6: I just wanted to make a a quick comment. Um, I went to Mills College and so I have followed Barbara for a long time because she was a Mills grad, but I was so struck in the film that she had been on welfare at that time, that she was able to buy a house near the campus so that she could walk to school, that she took her children with her to classes because she couldn't afford a babysitter. Her level of tenacity and courage is a real example for all of us. You know, she just didn't let anything stand in her way. She wanted that education and it really stood her in in great stead the rest of her life. I really admire her tremendously. And the film I there thought was go. fabulous. Thank you. Thank you.
5: So um, I wanted to ask Dan to put up this fine picture we have for our closing.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, so I, I want to thank you all also and um, just in, in real appreciation for the partnership we had with Partners for Peace from Colorado Springs and I mean I keep saying that I'm so sorry <laughs> from Fort Collins Colorado <laughs> and uh, everybody in the Peace Alliance Department of Peace Building campaign who helped make this all possible. Um, as we said, this was, a, this was an event to celebrate Women's History Month and we hope you enjoyed the film. We thank you all for building peace and we hope you take some of the actions that we posted in the chat. We, we just need to keep on keeping on. Our Department of Peace building calls um, always end with a quote. So here's a quote from Arundhati Roy, who is an Indian author Another world is not only possible, she is, in, she is on her way. On a quiet day, I can hear her breathing. So peace on, and thank you all for being part of this call. Thank you
4: thank you so much thank you wonderful let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me (laughs) yeah